All right, so as we jump right in, we are finishing up a series that y'all have been going through called Voices. And, you know, just kind of reminds you what we talked about. As school is starting back, you know, there, again, you're going to encounter some peer pressure. As a summer, you know, your peer group is a little bit smaller. And as you go to school, you get that bigger peer group. And there's bigger peer pressures and bigger things that are going on, bigger voices that are coming at you. And you're going to start hearing some of these voices. And so week one, you heard you were too young to make a difference. And, and hopefully you're kind of figuring out that there's a pattern to this. You hear this voice that is ultimately a lie, and it's not true, and then you hear the truth. You know, again, garbage. You know, you are not too young to make a difference. You are young, but you are not too young to make a difference. You know, God can use anybody who surrenders their life to him and to his glory to be used by him. So, again, you can make a difference. You can have an impact. Second thing you talked about last week was you, do, uh, you have done too much in your past. And, and that's one that hangs a lot of people up. You know, Satan uses that in a mighty way, in a powerful way to keep people from being what God has purposed them to be. You know, number one, from experiencing his great salvation. You know, people think, man, I've done so much that there's no way God can forgive me. You know, I've done so much in my past and so many things have happened in my life. There's no way, absolutely no way that God can forgive me. Again, garbage. You know, Jesus' redemptive work on the cross was enough, Period. You know, it was enough. His redemptive work is enough. There's nothing in your past that his redemptive work doesn't cover. Second thing Satan uses to, with that voice is to say that because even though I'm a Christian, even though Satan knows I'm a believer and I'm his, I'm a child of God and I've been adopted into his family, you know, what Satan wants to do is render you ineffective in kingdom work by saying, look at your past. Look at what you've done. There is absolutely no way that you can do God's work. There's absolutely no way that you can do something and be used by God, so you might as well just kind of sit back and not do anything. You know, again, garbage. That's a lie. That's a lie. Tonight, the voice we wanted to listen to here, but not listen to, is this, that you are missing out if you live for Jesus. This lie that you are missing out somehow if you live for Jesus. Now, when we get to this lie, you know, there's something that Satan uses with this one. You know, and it is a real thing, and it is this thing called fear of missing out. You know, FOMO for short. Some people, you know, hashtag FOMO. If you understand that, you know what that is. That's a real thing. There's actually research that has been done. There's research that has been done in college, with college students where they checked on this, and they did all these studies to see how FOMO affected how they lived their life and how they did things throughout the week and even on the weekend. FOMO is a real legitimate thing, and it is one thing that Satan has used to cause uh, a lot of doubt and a lot of things in our life where we do things we wouldn't normally do, and we listen to things we shouldn't normally listen to. I'm going to give some examples of what FOMO is, just so that we know that it's a real thing. This has nothing to do with Satan calls you to do, because some of you may have done this, but FOMO causes us to do some crazy stuff. You know, let me give you an example. FOMO would say, you know, this would cause me and drive me to wake up in the morning with a 104 degree temperature. My left leg is paralyzed in the night. Somehow my right eye fell out while I was sleeping, but yet I'm still going to drag my half-dead self to school because I don't want to miss out on what's going on. There's people that are like that. I know, crazy, I'm not like that. If I have 99.1, not staying home, I'm sick, too sick to go to school. But there are people who will drag themselves out of bed with a 104-degree temperature because they do not want to miss out on school. That's crazy. Some of it's because their friends are there. Some of it's because they don't want to miss out on academics or whatever it is. But they will drive themselves out of bed with the 104-degree temperature to get to school. Other people would do crazy stuff like ride some kind of roller coaster. 
You know, I, I would do that, but it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. But some people are scared to death of roller coasters, but yet they're going to take themselves and they're going to go up and they're going to ride this roller coaster because they're afraid they're going to miss out on some of what their friends are doing, some of what their friends are talking about, some of what, you know, they may be inside jokes about the ride or whatever it is. So you're going to drag yourself and get on this roller coaster when you're scared to death of it because you're afraid you're going to miss out on something. So you make yourself ride this thing. Or maybe it's a haunted house. Maybe haunted houses are not your thing. You know, we're not going to get into all of that. Hopefully I can talk about haunted houses. But, you know, it's a thing that people do. And it's scary just to scare you, basically. Um, but you're completely freaked out of haunted houses. You're so scared. You're still scared of the dark. You still wet the bed at night because you're scared of the dark. You know, but you're going to go to this haunted house because all of your friends are going to this haunted house. And even though you're scared of it, you're going to make yourself do it because you don't want to miss out on what your friends are doing, what your friends are taking part of. And, and so what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes really tight. You're going to grab a whole double-fisted of the biggest person you can find in front of you, and you're going to go right behind them with your eyes closed all the way through this thing, and hopefully you don't experience anything. Hopefully you survive. You know, again, FOMO will cause us to do things that we don't normally do. It will also cause us to believe things that we don't normally believe. You know, and really what I'm doing is I'm setting up this idea of fear of missing out is legit. You know, and so FOMO will cause us to believe things that we don't normally believe. I told you I'm a student pastor, and, or used to be a student pastor. The last four years, I've been college only, but student pastor for 18 years. And so we went to camp every summer, and every summer I took my students to, to the beach. That's where we wanted to go. That's where I like going. That's who I am. And so we would go to the beach, and as we'd go to the beach, you know, sometimes we'd do our own camp. Sometimes we'd do Fuge. Uh, Zach back there, Fuge Stafford, he's just back. Awesome dude. Um, but one of the greatest things about Fuge is for a youth pastor is we go and we drop our kids off and they take care of everything. You know, and so we get to relax and chill out a little bit and I get to invest in some leaders and do some things. And so I was at student camp, you know, one summer and I had Tommy, he was a college student, he was a leader for me and he was there. And so we're here and we're going to the beach because it's leadership time. And so I'm gonna invest in my leader. So what better way to invest in a leader than to talk about life at the beach with a Frisbee? You know, so we take this Frisbee to the beach, and as we get to the beach, we see a sandbar out there. So we're like, awesome, we're going to go throw Frisbee on the sandbar. So we head to the sandbar. This is one of those days where the, the ocean was angry. The ocean wasn't angry in sweeping people out to sea, you know, with that, you know, that rip current that pulls people out to sea. This was, an, this was a sea that was angry and didn't want you in the ocean. So it was like pushing you back onto shore. It's the weirdest thing. So the wind was blowing like 40 miles per hour in. The current was pushing you to the shore. So we walk out there. We had to swim about five yards. The last five yards, we had to swim to get to the sandbar. We get to the sandbar, it's below our knees. Awesome. Took us forever to swim five yards, though. Uh, and we get, up on the, we get up on the sandbar. We're throwing the Frisbee. We're throwing the Frisbee. We're having a blast. We're having an awesome time. We're loving, we're loving life, talking about life, throwing the Frisbee. Every once in a while, the Frisbee would keep going into the deep water. And every time we had to go get into the deep water, we had to swim five feet back to the sandbar, and it took 15 minutes. And it was the craziest thing, because here you would be, you'd have a Frisbee in one hand, your other hand would be trying to swim, and literally the sandbar is right there, and you're just swimming, you're swimming, and you're swimming, and you're staying in one spot, you're swimming, and you're swimming. We got so tickled, and so, you know, I mean, we were laughing so much, that that's all we did. Every time the, the Frisbee went out, we'd just laugh at each other. And one time, Tommy... He's one of those guys that when he smiles, he loses his eyes. You don't have his eyes anymore. He, so he's smiling, and he's laughing because he's out there. I done run down the sandbar. I'm pointing at him, <laughs> you know, laughing at him because he's swimming, he's swimming, he's swimming. He can't get there, and he's swimming, and he's swimming, and he's swimming. And all of a sudden, he's like, cramp, cramp. You know, so I jump in. You know, we're laughing. We get back up onto the sandbar, and here we are, and we're just having a big old time. 
later at dinner, we start telling the story and having a good, good time with the story. And because people weren't there, man, they missed out on what we were doing. Man, they, they wanted to hear what was going on. And, and they began to believe things that weren't really true because they wanted to be a part of the story. And so we're telling this whole story, and, and we get to the point where Tommy's out there, and I'm like, yeah, and I saved Tommy's life. And they was like, you did what? I'm like, I saved Tommy's life. They're like, what happened? Tommy's like, shark. Shark? What? And I'm like, yeah, shark. Apparently the shark. You know, so they're asking all these stories, you know, and we, we keep them on. We tell them, how no, we're just kidding. Well, later at the end of camp, Tyler was another college student. And, and so we were sitting down with Tyler, having blizzards after church one Sunday night, and we're telling him because he wanted to go so bad. He wanted to be a part of camp so bad, but he had to work and he couldn't go. And so he was so disappointed. And so we're telling him this and telling him this. And he has this idea he's missed out. And here these people are letting me in on what's going on. And I want to be here. I want to soak it all in. And so we're telling him the story of all these things about the beach, about the thing, about the throwing the frisbee, about trying to swim back up. And then we get to the point where I say, and I saved Tommy's life. And he's like, you did what? And I'm like, yeah, I saved Tommy's life. He's like, oh, my goodness. And we had him hooked. You know, he wanted to be in this story, so he's hooked, and he's right there. We got him on the hook. Tommy's like, yeah, tell us about a shark. And he's like, oh, my goodness, a shark, what happened? And I'm like, man, it was just swimming right for him. Tommy's trying to swim. He's trying to get on the sandbar, and the shark is coming right at him. And he keeps swimming. He keeps swimming. The shark's coming right. And I'm yelling, Tommy, shark. And he's like, not listening. And he's swimming. And I'm like, Tommy, shark. You know, he's, you know, we're telling the story, and he's right there, man. He's like listening to everything we have to say, and he's so into the story. And finally, he's like, what'd you do? And I was like, man, he couldn't hear me. So I just took off running down the sandbar. And at the last minute, I passed Tommy, and I jumped through the air, and I threw a punch right in the gill of the shark. And he's like, oh, my goodness, that's so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of was. You know, and he's like, that's so good. And then he's like, what happened? You know, again, the shark went away, or Tommy was say, Tommy's like, dude, he killed it. <laughs> what? He did what? And he's like, man, yeah, that thing flipped upside down, gave two little things like this, and it was dead. And he's just going, oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. For 20 more minutes, we, we ping-pong back and forth with Tyler telling him this outlandish story. It's getting more over the top and more over the top and more over the top, and he is buying every single bit of it the whole time, the whole time, until he got, I was to the point where I was like, I feel bad telling him we're just jerking his chain. You know, but we got to this point, and he got ticked. But Tyler wasn't ticked because we were jerking his chain. We hadn't told him that yet. He got ticked because we got to the part of the story that we just made up that, you know, where the shark was on the beach, literally he was upside down hanging. Everybody, there was like thousands of people taking pictures of the shark. The news was there. They were asking us questions, interviewing us. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But he got ticked when we got to the part where uh, PETA got involved. And PETA got involved, and they called the police, and the police showed up, and there was this big standoff, and the police were going to arrest me. And instead of arresting me, they decided to give me a ticket. And he's like, that stinks. Are you kidding me? And I mean, he is so mad. And we're like, dude, man, how do you still believe this story? I can't believe it. Again, FOMO is a powerful thing. It will suck you in. And Satan will use it to bring you in, to build up this lie and to suck you right into it. You know, and so as Satan uses this powerful thing called FOMO, you know, here's the thing. He's been using it since the beginning. You know, you go back to Adam and Eve in the original sin. You know, as you go back to the Adam and Eve in the original sin, how did, how did Satan tempt Eve? He used FOMO. How so? 
Again, you know, can you eat of all the trees? What about this one tree? No, we can't eat of that tree. God said, no, we'll die. Are you sure? Are you sure you're going to die? Because here's what I think. I think you'll be like God if you eat from this tree. If you eat from this one, you're going to be like God. And you're missing out on what it's like to be like God. You know, again, FOMO is a powerful thing that Satan uses to trick us and deceive us and to keep our eyes off of Christ in our pursuit from being on Christ. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read that because as we go to the scriptures, we're going to look at a man who, uh, again, he pursued a lot of things that the world had to offer. He pursued a lot of things that the world had to offer, and he's going to tell us about it right here. It's on the screens, and if you've got a Bible or a phone or something, it's right there. It says this in verse 1, I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness. And about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body. My mind still guided me with wisdom. And how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Verse 4, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and I had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself. And the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and had many concubines, the delights of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained within me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my, this was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know, here's the thing. You know, Solomon is writing this to us, and he's really writing the whole book of Ecclesiastes to us in this way. You know, there are a lot of shiny objects that Satan puts before you. There are a lot of things out there that Satan says, do this. Satan says, follow this. There's no reason to live your life for Christ. There's no reason to pursue God. You need to be pursuing these things because if you're not pursuing these things, you're going to miss out. Now, who was Solomon? Solomon was a king. He was the son of David. He asked for wisdom and God granted him in abundance and he accumulated a ton of wealth and experienced a lot that the world had to offer. But here's the things. He documented some of his pursuits in this passage and I want to go over them real quick. In verse 1, he said that he pursued pleasure. You know, he pursued pleasure. You know, so he went after the things that he thought would make him feel content. He made, the things that he would make him feel happy. Things that he thought he needed. You know, things that he would be self-gratified with. He pursued pleasure. Verse 3, he pursued the pull of wine on his body. He pursued the, wine on, the pursuit of wine on his body. Verse 4 through 6, he, he pursued achievements. You know, success. You know, what can I gain? What can I accumulate? What can I have? What can I get for myself? You notice all those times he said, I got this for myself, and I got this, and I accumulated this for myself. Verse 7 and 8, he accumulated wealth and pursued wealth and luxury. He was the wealthiest there. 
He was the wealthiest man to live. He had a luxurious life and a luxurious lifestyle. In verse 8, he pursued women. You know, he, he pursued these relationships, and not relationships, but inappropriate relationships. Because again, he thought these were the things that would make him happy, and so he pursued women. Verse 9, he pursued greatness. You know, he wanted to be the greatest. That was his desire, that was his pursuit, to be the greatest. You know, and then in verse 10, he pursued all that his eyes desired. You know, so if you don't get the picture from everything else, let me just say this. I pursued everything that my eyes saw that I liked. Everything that I saw that I said, that's what I want, that's what I want to do, I did it. You know, and in the end, this is what he said. Everything is futile, everything is meaningless in light of eternity. You know, and, and so as we sit here tonight, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a college student, man, there are a lot of worldly pursuits, a multitude of worldly pursuits that are out there. There are a multitude of things that claim will bring you pleasure. There's a multitude of things that uh, promise the world to you. You know, and Satan continually puts those before you, puts those before you, and puts those before you saying, hey, if you pursue Christ, you know, look at all the things that you're going to miss out on. If you pursue Christ, look at all these things that your friends are doing. Look at all these things your friends are experiencing. Look at all these things that, that are out here that you're missing out on. You don't want to miss out on that. Don't pursue Christ right now. Don't live for him right now. You've got all of your life to live for him. You know, why not do these things now? Because you don't want to miss out on this stuff. You know, and that's what Satan says. You know, that's what Satan says, but it's a lie. It is a clear lie from him that he uses against us to keep us from following Christ. You know, why does, why does Solomon say everything is futile, everything is meaningless in light of eternity? You know, to understand that, we got to go back to the purpose that God designed for us. You know, in Genesis from the beginning when God breathed life into, into man, you know, he says he created us in his image. You know, and when he says he created us in his image, what does that mean? You know, he created us different than all other creation. You know, he created us with the capacity to know him. He created us with this uh, inner pursuit of himself so that we may know him. You know, that's how he created us. You know, Jonathan Edwards says this, he says, a creature is most happy when it is according to its design. A creature is most happy when it is according to its design. You, me, us, all of us. You know, we were designed for God. We were designed for him. Augustine, another early church father, capitalized more on that statement and said this, God has made us for himself, and we are restless until our souls find rest in him. We are made for God, and we are restless until our souls find rest in Him. You know, with sin, God has put this pursuit of Himself in us. But because of sin, we've messed it all up, and our hearts and our desire and everything is all messed up because of these uh, pursuits that are out of alignment with what God's desire, what God's plan was. You know, and as long as we're pursuing those things, as long as we're seeking those things, as long as we're buying into the lie, the voice that says, you are going to miss out on all of this glittery, shiny, worldly stuff that your friends are doing. If you live for Christ right now, you're going to miss out on all this. You know, and as long as that's what we're pursuing, as long as those are the things that we're going after, we will never be at peace. We will never know peace. We will never be at rest. You know, why? Because, again, we were made for God. 
We were made to live in fellowship with him, to enjoy worship of him, and to praise him and to bask in his glory. Again, that's why Solomon says in verse 11, when I consider all these worldly pursuits, I found it all to be futile. I found it all to be meaningless. Apart from Christ and his kingdom pursuits, again, we become a frustrated, troubled, discontented you know, people who are constantly looking for the next landing place, constantly looking for the next thing that we think is going to give us happiness, the next thing that we think is going to fulfill us. You know, that's who we become, constantly pursuing the things of the world. And Satan's goal is to get you to buy into that voice that you're going to miss out if you follow Jesus now. But the reality is this. That's the lie. Here's the reality from the truth of God's word. And that is, you're going to miss out if you don't live for him. You know, Satan says, you'll miss out if you live for Christ. The truth is, we miss out if we don't live for him. You know, we miss out on so many things. John says abundant life. Romans 5, you're going to unpack this a little bit. The blessings of justification. Ephesians 1, the blessings of being in Christ. We miss out on all of those things. So will we continue to buy into the lie, to feed in to the lie that Satan feeds us? That all of our friends are doing this and doing that and having fun here and doing this. You know, because here's the thing. When Solomon laid all those things out, there were some things that weren't inherently bad. Nothing necessarily bad about them. But when we pursue them over Christ, a good thing becomes a God thing, which becomes a bad thing. You know, and some of the things that he was laying out there were complete sin. It's complete sin. You know, but again, he says meaningless, futile. All of it's temporary. What pleasure you find in that, what satisfaction you find in that, all of that is temporary. What lasts forever is Christ. What lasts forever is your pursuit of him, which is what he created and designed you for. So which voice will you listen to?